Our Philadelphian mission is a very important one. As we know, Philadelphia means brotherly love. And this whole world needs to know what is going to happen to it before it happens. It's our opportunity to extend that love, the mercy, the compassion that God has for all people. As we read in John, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should have everlasting life and not have to perish. And so we are giving the world an opportunity to understand that all Satan's way of life is going to bring is death, destruction, unhappiness, and misery. And that's what they're going to experience very soon. The sacrifices that we make to tell the world about another way of life is the love that we have for mankind given to us through God's Spirit. If it weren't for God's Spirit, we wouldn't understand these things. But to give a warning, to give them the opportunity to escape what is happening, we know that most are not going to take that opportunity. But in having heard what we have to tell them, they are going to say that these people tried to warn us. They tried to help us. They loved us. But when God gives them back their life again, they're going to appreciate the sacrifices we made. And it has to be the love we have in us. As Christ first loved us, then we in turn need to show that love also for mankind and give them the opportunity to understand the true way of life. My name is Richard Hall. I'm a native from uh, here in Marietta, and uh, I've been reading the materials for a very long time. Uh, in fact, my grandfather uh, introduced me to it with the Armstrong stuff, um, and uh, loved it. Then got uh, kind of disconnected from it, and then discovered the Tomorrow's World stuff later on, and uh, been reading it for several years now. And I've been pursuing joining forces, becoming uh, a participant, a member, uh, and um, I, I, uh, I, I really feel uh, that God has led me to this point, and I'm ready, so it, time has come. All my life I had asked questions, and I had been trying to get answers. I wasn't trying to cause any trouble, but I did want the Bible to match what was being taught. And so after that lecture, I went down, it was Mr. Ames, and I stood in line and asked him a question, or a couple of questions, and he looked at me and said, do you know what we teach? And I said, no, sir. And he opened his Bible and he went, bam, 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 and he just gave it to me for the first time in my life. <laughs> so it was awesome. I, like, got the answer. And without anyone even thinking about it, you know, uh, he just gave it to me. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 8, Freely you have received, freely give. And what are we giving? We're giving the truth of God. We're giving the revelation of a coming kingdom, the whole purpose and meaning of life which the world is ignorant of. If we go back to the first century, we can see that 
Christ and the apostles uh, did have presentations. We, they didn't call them that, obviously. But we find the 70 that were sent out by Christ in teams of two. We find the apostles that were sent out to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Uh, we find also that uh, the apostle Paul, uh, every time he could get a crowd together, uh, he gave a presentation. Paul, Peter, Jesus Christ himself, they preached out of passion and sought every opportunity they could to put the truth in front of the people of the world. And in that sense, I think is the more important sense, we're following in their footsteps in that exact way. In every way we can, we want this truth reaching the world. And these presentations represent one major facet of that effort. These presentations are nothing new. And I think that's an important point to, to make and to be understood that really these kinds of things have been going on for millennia. God has been using his servants to get out the message through personal contact, through personal preaching. In more modern times, Mr. Herbert Armstrong really began preaching not only on radio, but in private meetings, uh, handing out uh, little advertisements for the uh, tent meetings or the meetings in schools that he had. In more recent times, Mr. Meredith came over to the British Isles and held campaigns, as they were sometimes called, and that helped build the church over here. In England, in 1960, the summer of 1960, Mr. Meredith gave 12 weeks of campaigns in Bristol, Birmingham, and Manchester, and that was 60 messages, that is, five messages a week, four weeks in Bristol, four weeks in Birmingham, and four weeks in Manchester, besides giving messages on the Sabbath. I must have been in my um, late teens when I uh, first started listening to The World Tomorrow on Radio Luxembourg, which was at that time the most powerful station on earth. We were living in um, Stoke-on-Trent at the time, and the campaigns were in Birmingham, which is about roughly 55 miles away. Now, I got no transport whatsoever, but my brother, who recently died, uh, he had one of these Lambrettas, these motor scooters, you see. And uh, I asked him if he wouldn't mind taking me down on the back of his scooter, which he did. And we, we both went to the, the meeting, and uh, I asked him later uh, what he thought of the, the campaign, the, the speech, of, to the, the lecture, or whatever it was that Dr. Murphy gave us. And he said, well, I didn't really understand it, when it went over my head, you know. But I got it, he said, straight away. He had us on the edge of our chairs listening, we couldn't, we were afraid to move. It, it all took root in, in my mind, you know, I, I thought, well, I need to know more, more about this, you know. So I started taking plain truth. It was so different and uh, very friendly. Um, they, they took an interest in people. Um, wanted to know how, how they came in contact with the truth. When I first went to church was when Ron had already seen Dr. Meredith doing the campaigns in Birmingham. He'd already attended one of those. And uh, I went to church with Ron one, one week and uh, Mr. Matthews, who took the register, he said to me, he introduced himself and he said to me, who invited you to church? And I thought, well, I don't want to get Ron in trouble, you know. So I said, well, Jesus Christ inviting me. 
just like that. <laughs> and uh, he, was take, he was taken aback, you know, and he laughed and he, he said, well, no, I, I just wanted to know who would invited you, who had you come with? So I said, well, I'd, I'd come with Ron. And it was the first time I'd, I'd heard about the work, really, and people met me, they were friendly, and they kept saying, how did you come into the truth? And I didn't really know what the truth was or the work. And greetings, friends, around the world. This is Herbert W. Armstrong. Just what is the connection between conditions and problems and the governments and the nations around the world and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why should I, a minister of Jesus Christ, be concerned about meetings? With so they were coming to listen to the truth. And Mr. Armstrong was on the air night after night. So it was 60 sermons in a row. And I preached all of them, of course, plus I preached once or twice every Sabbath. I had a lot of energy back then, and I scheduled myself for all those. So he asked me to start these other churches, so we did that in the summer of 1960. The idea has been around for quite some time. Mr. Armstrong did public lectures. Dr. Meredith did public Bible studies over in England. The idea for tomorrow's world presentations actually began uh, with one of our area pastors, uh, ask if we could do something locally, not such big productions. At my first ministerial conference, uh, we had Mr. Dan Hall and Mr. Jonathan McNair doing presentations on these kind of public presentations that they were doing uh, in their areas. I, I got excited. I was excited, really hoping that it's something that would grow from what they had started, uh, and it has in a wonderful way, I think. Since that time from 2006 until the present time, uh, we've had more than uh, 22,000 visitors uh, come to the campaigns. God is opening up the doors for those Tomorrow's World presentations all around the world. It's important that we preach to the public in this way uh, because many people, in spite of the fact that we mention it from time to time, don't really realize that we are a real church or they may think that we just have a, a congregation in one location, maybe Charlotte. And they don't quite get the idea that we have local congregations. It's very important for them to know that we have a local presence. It's important that they can meet some of our members. And as we had one recently in London, I think that they were very pleased when they met how friendly the, the members were and that we were a real uh, congregation there. It gives an opportunity for them to have that invitation to come be among God's people and to uh, be able to learn and to have that first contact. When they come to campaigns, they come to these TW lectures and they meet a minister and the local elders, then they have personal contact with people that are right down the road that they can talk to personally, ask personal questions to, get counsel about their Bible questions, their family problems, their personal problems, and it can help them come part of the church of God, the body of Christ, and be part of the family of God, so to speak, that God is using. People want to see if you're real. They want to see who you are. And by having a personal contact where they can be in the same room, not only with the speaker, but with the members of the congregation. Face-to-face -face communication is so very, very important. It's not just face-to-face, -face, but it's heart-to-heart. -heart. And you can see the emotions and the sincerity of the person who is there. People want to know that the living church of God has human beings just like themselves. I was flipping through the telly and I saw a telecast with um, Dr. Meredith. And I thought, well, 
he was talking about the Sabbath and I was like oh this is very bold I like it and then when I was eight months pregnant I got an invite to a presentation that was my first presentation with Mr. King. Mr. Ames was awesome. He was very nice. He was very very, very, very easy to talk to. A question that I had asked him of what was the last scripture, and he knew it by heart. He knew exactly what I was asking, so that was awesome. When you're at home, when you're watching it on television, you're alone. Uh, my family know that I watch it, but I can't watch it at peak time because of I'm, they feel like I'm ramming it down their throats. So therefore, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I watch it before going to work. And I can go back to them and, and watch them over and over again. Coming here, it's an hour, but it's, it's, that hour doesn't feel like an hour. It feels like 10, 15 minutes. And the knowledge is coming in, uh, and it's grabbing out, and it's making you think, and it's making you step, and you think, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. And that goes back to that one, and I remember that bit on that bit. And, yeah, uh, it's just been for you. I'm, I'm grateful, yeah. Feel the love in the room. The first guy that spoke, I got to meet him personally, and that was fun. My mom was all starstruck and everything, because, <laughs> like I said, she's been watching him since 2006. But he was really nice, and he let me hug him, so that was cool. <laughs> I heard about tomorrow's world uh, through a friend of mine who uh, sent me a text uh, yesterday evening and I said I'll, I'll go along and see what it's about and uh, that's how I heard about it. After the presentation of Mr. Weston he came up to me for some reason I don't know why. I wasn't wearing a hat, maybe it was the lack of teeth, I don't know but uh, he was very, a very pleasant man, a very, um, you could see there was wisdom in, 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 in the gentleman if I can just put it that way, and you could see where that wisdom had come from. Not only from the holy book, but also from his, his soul. People here are, well, very friendly, maybe too friendly. <laughs> um, it is a good thing. Um, it's good to be in an environment where you feel welcome. And yes, I, I, we certainly feel welcome. We're glad to be here. And we love the sandwiches and the, and the drinks and everything, the reception, the whole event was, um, I, I would say, excellent. There's something about food that makes people uh, enjoy something. Even Christ said they, they came for the food. Our, our brethren usually put out a nice spread of food, but most importantly, people are coming to look at what kind of people we are. And when they see friendly people, as they often do, uh, people that come up and engage them in conversation, not being overly uh, friendly and smothering them, but letting them know that uh, they're noticed and that they're important. Uh, this, this sets a, a tone for what the church is all about. I, I think of the one that we had in London here recently and how uh, just warm and friendly everybody was. And the result of it, we had about 46 people, but 19 forms were turned in saying they wanted to learn more about Sabbath services, about baptism, they wanted to talk to a minister. And that's a phenomenal number because it represents more than 19 people because some of those forums were for a family or two or three people. So that was tremendously successful and a lot of it had to do with the friendliness of the people that were there. Often the new people will come in and sit in a chair and they don't talk to anyone, they're just kind of hoping you know, that maybe they can kind of sneak in and sit down. And I've seen brethren notice it's a new person. 
and sort of get their courage up and actually walk up and introduce themselves and, and reach a handout and become, in a very real sense, the very first concrete contact that person has had with the body of Christ. And to see them physically going up to those people, and even when you see them maybe take a swallow before they do it because it takes a moment of courage, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to beat that. The impact is, is immeasurable. Being friendly and warm and welcoming, it's a huge help. The more we can all get involved when these come to our congregation, uh, the better. It's just a tremendous opportunity and encouragement for new people to come in to see that there are happy, friendly, welcoming, fellowshipping people there makes them feel comfortable as opposed to walking into an empty room. Many people are curious about, well, what is this church all about? Uh, what do you believe? What do you teach? And it's an opportunity for all of us, all of our, our brethren, to explain, to give a, a reason for the hope that lies within them, and to explain how, yes, they keep the Sabbath. Yes, they get off work for the Sabbath. Yes, they keep the holy days. You can do it. Many people out in the world uh, believe you can't really keep God's law in this day and age and our brethren are a living breathing example that you can. We as brothers and sisters in Christ have to work as a team to make the preparations for this tomorrow's world presentation and that team effort as well as the excitement of realizing this is real. We are preaching the gospel to new people and if God is calling them they can be a part of the very congregation, a very part of the body of Christ. I'm just going to say it. You can edit this out if you want, but God doesn't call many noble or, or what have you. And you can certainly see that I feel I feel like I'm right at home. I'm kind of I'm kind of a, a you know a little different, I guess. And so were they, and they welcomed me, and they were genuine. I think the people that um, I've met today are very warm, caring people. I think they're really welcoming and like nice. They welcome you in and they don't like they don't like judge you, they don't look down at you, they just they understand your belief and they just welcome you. They respect they yeah. respect what you think and they as Shea said they were really welcoming and they they were just really nice to us. Well, everybody was nice. Everybody was very nice, welcoming, making you feel good by even being here, by meeting some of the people. See? And this was really one of the things that I wanted to get into, meeting other people. When you walk through the door here, and I presume it's everywhere, they have a, like a glow. You, you, they say a pregnant woman glows. Well, you lot are glowing with the love of Christ. I hadn't got through the door when people were shaking my hands and welcoming me in. And it's just a warmth. Uh, everybody says smile. It's, there's no put on, no, nobody's, oh, I'm the big one here, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. It's welcome. Just come in. See if it's for you. Come and join us. And if it is, we'd like you back. And the answer is yes, I do like it and I do want to come back. When uh, Mr. Meredith and Mr. Ames we're conducting one of our first TWPs. We were sitting in our seats, my wife and I, and we began talking to a gentleman, a guest who was sitting next to us. He was very excited to be there. He had been listening to Mr. Armstrong uh, years and years and years ago. He had never been part of the church, but he was just really thrilled to be able to be at a live event. And uh, this individual is Mr. James Sanders. 
and now he attends with us here in Charlotte. And it was really interesting. I've never forgotten that because he had been listening to Mr. Armstrong and all of that time the seeds were being planted. And here, here we are in this late year, late date, we we're actually being able to be a part of harvesting that. Lo and behold, I got a, one letter. Y'all in the church telling me we go said, look, you've been getting out books for a long time. We'd like to meet you. So I preach not doing anything on, on Sunday. So, so we don't we rent a hotel, come up here, and we'd like to meet you, uh, meet and greet, and uh, have communication with you. First thing I did, I never forget that. Smeller was at the door. And I introduced myself. And he said, But what's your name? I said, My name is James B. Sanders. This is my wife, Elaine Sanders. And I said, he said, where are you from? I said, from Chester, South Carolina. He said, that's a long ways from me. How far it is? I think it was about 68 miles from the hotel. And he said, how did you find out about it? And I was telling him about how I knew, I knew about Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong and how I knew about the truth for a long time. And I said, my wife shocked me. I told her about it. So I was coming up and she said, she wanted to come too. He said, okay, i tell you what. Stay and enjoy yourself. Have fellowship after the sermon. I want to talk with you some more. And I met him, and met, he called me over, met Mr. Ames. I never seen so much love, so much affection, so much warmth. And I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking all the time. I said, nah, she don't know. I said, they had me. I'm going to find out where they, where they church, where they, where they, where they meet at. And I'm going to start going to that church. So I, I asked them for some of the members, and they told me to talk to Mr. Bob Lee, my, my best buddy. Got to be my best buddy. He bad one baptized, by the way. And Mr. Bob Lee told us that, gave us the address, and we started coming. When you serve somebody, they never forget that. They always remember that you did sacrifice yourself to serve them. If somebody's asked us a question, we should be able to answer. We should talk a little bit more about God, encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron. And so it's very important that members live a life that is pleasing, that people can see Christ in them. We're trying to help people realize that all of us have God's Spirit if we're really converted. And Jesus said, we're neither Jew nor Gentile nor male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And we are begotten children of God. So no matter what our background, our heritage, we are part of the body of Christ. We have the same Spirit, the very nature of God put in us. And we have a depth of relationship with one another that we could not have any other way. Families learn to work together. And when you have a project to work on, such as a Tomorrow's World presentation, you're learning to work together in a non-church environment. You're working together to accomplish a purpose. And that's been exciting. I remember one of the first presentations we did down in Atlanta. Uh, it was, this was one of the first presentations we did. And, uh, of course, we sent out invitations and people prepared. And I was in the hallway as people started coming into the door. And some of the members said, they're really coming. They're, they really are coming. <laughs> so that was exciting to see. As we work together, we are learning to be a family. The connection is the Holy Spirit. That's the most important connection. But everything we do, every project, just like a family, that works together often will learn to to be closer together and love each other and support one another if they if they work together a family that eventually be born into his kingdom as royal family kings and priests but now in the physical realm 
We are family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Almighty, as it tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16. So we thank God that we are a family. We want to fellowship together. It's a part of the uh, biblical instruction to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So we follow that instruction. And as we love one another, we again have that unity through the Spirit. We see people coming from all kinds of races and backgrounds. And when we first come together, we don't always know how to relate to one another. You have old people, you have young people. But when we're thrown together, we find that sooner or later we have a lot in common. And of course, the, what we have in common is the truth. But we're people that would never have associated with one another had it not been for the church. This didn't happen immediately, but over time the church did become family. And, and I understand more now what Jesus said about uh, this is my brother and this is... I, I understand it now. And I'll tell you, just so you know, what I've found out is that it's not only just being there with them, because I was with other types of congregations and various styles before and I never had what I have here and it came through this I'll tell you it's uh, not just being with them but prayer for them in a way that really connects with God it changes you and you do begin to love them even people you don't like you somehow work of it because you're just not going to mesh with everybody it's not going to work people have different personalities but if you're called a brethren in God's church well then you're going to pray for them and you're going to draw close spiritually with those people everyone is looking out for everyone no one you know should have need for anything especially spiritually because you find that here where you always gonna feel connected a part of a family not like traditional churches where you don't you feel disconnected you know I've, I've visited them but I've never been a member but I've seen how they were disconnected it wasn't that real fellowship that real love that real family environment you know that agape love you're not going to find that in the world but in God's church that's what we are all about to know that there's a family here um, that's for me was what I've come away with that I, I'll be coming back to the family uh, and to be in a, a greater family because it's not just here I know I keep pointing them out here but it's worldwide it's the whole worldwide and I want to be a part of it and I will grow with it and that's why and that's for me yes for me it is the fact that I can join in be a part of the church through the campaigns we do see new people coming in that again would not have come to church otherwise because most people kind of just stay where they are it's the law of inertia they sit there they just keep sitting there so the campaign, again, gives them an opportunity to meet someone. And we have some of our brethren attend the campaigns, too. And they can visit with these people. And that makes the people realize there is a real church with real warm, loving, outreaching human beings they can fellowship with. Then it brings them into the church and helps them to grow. I never knew about the True Sabbath until I was watching Tomorrow's World. And then I got the literature from um, which day is the true Christian Sabbath. And I, and I cried out loud. I did. I literally had tears. And I cried and I asked God, if this is the truth, then you will tell me and you will give me more truth. And I mean, it just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming, which led us, of course, here today. And then now I will be able to actually share 
these upcoming holy days, even if it's the last one supposedly, you know, which I mean, I know that for a fact that me and my family will have a place to come to where we be, well, where we will be able to celebrate the holy days and we won't have to feel that we're doing anything wrong because we will be able to share it with like-minded people. And that's, uh, that's what I'm thirsty for as well, to be around a, a group of like-minded people and less babble and more truth. People that seem to be really interested, we invite them to church. We try and do, a, do an assessment. Is this a person that's, that's normal? Is this a person that's not going to cause trouble? Is this a person who's really interested? And if they're really interested, and after we talk with them a little bit, we, we do invite them to church. In 2012, I gave a Tomorrow's World presentation in Dallas, Texas. We had a family that drove eight hours from the valley that is down by Harlingen, McAllen, Texas, near the border of, of Mexico. Drove eight hours all the way to come up to see that presentation in Dallas. The Rodan family, of course, was that family that came all the way from the valley to Dallas. And, of course, they are now pillars there in the valley congregation. Some years later now, Mr. Rick Stafford has given a presentation in the valley. And now we have a real congregation meeting every Sabbath as a result of the Tomorrow's World presentations. The fruits that I have seen from this most recent TWP campaign have really been encouraging because not only are we warning the, the world with the prophetic message, we're also including in that the hope of God's holy days. Those are the waypoints that we look forward to, our families look forward to, and it's a, such a special time for us. And then to be able to present that before individuals who may have never heard of the hope that is provided through those days, once you see how so many respond to that message and it moves them to want to attend, to want to be a part of it, and I've talked to numerous people, even this week, who have expressed a sincere desire to keep God's holy days. I don't know that that would be possible in that same way without the TWPs. I wasn't aware of all of the holy days. I didn't have that, had, a, had a book whatnot, and uh, I, you know, read and then when I, when I read uh, Leviticus 23rd chapter, and I got it, and I, and I got the booklet on the holy days that we have. Uh, having already started keeping Saturday, I didn't realize that we had uh, all these other holy days, you know, and. Uh, after I started keeping them and started getting the meaning, you know, the true meaning of what they mean, it made sense. And it's in the Bible. They tell you that the holy days are supposed to be kept forever. That's what it said, forever. And I had all these counterfeit days, Christmas, Easter, and all this stuff, and I kept seeing pagan, pagan, pagan. And I said, well, why is I'm doing this? Anything that I want to imitate Christ. I said, Christ, you know, he said that as he was his custom, he got up. And he went to church in the synagogue on the seventh day. So he set the example for us. He uh, uh, In Genesis 2, he set the example for us uh, about the Sabbath. He made the Sabbath. See, now, the Bible tells you, Jesus, don't, he, don't, he don't get tired. He, he don't get out. He set the example for us. So, so, we, so we got to, we, we, he set the example and we got to follow him. We got to get with his program. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So you cannot preach the kingdom of God apart from the very name of Jesus Christ. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's mentioned in 
Revelation 17, Revelation 19, and 1 Timothy 6. Jesus Christ preached about a coming kingdom of God. That's a hopeful future. That's an exciting future. Most people don't realize that God has a plan that he's working out on this earth. They don't realize there's a purpose for human life. They don't realize there is a way of life that really works. And this is part of our message, and we want to get that message out as powerfully as we can, wherever we can, through whatever means that we have to use. In December, we had a Welcome to the Living Church of God presentation that we invited our Tomorrow's World web subscribers to view. Here was an open opportunity for them to see in their own home a live Sabbath service of the Living Church of God. The benefit of that is to connect with people all around the world. And you feel connected with Dr. Meredith. Not only is it geographically connected, but you feel connected personally to Dr. Meredith, realizing that this is not just a recorded program of three or four years ago. This is the real uh, Roderick Meredith, and I feel personally connected with him. So it has tremendous benefits. This world has to know that there is a real God and that he is beginning to intervene in human affairs. We're to preach the gospel, as Matthew 24 said, as a witness. We're not going to convert the world, but they need to hear. They need to understand that they have been told, they have been warned. And as this work grows in power, we are going to warn them. And they are going to know that God has true servants on this earth. Everywhere you go when you do these TWPs and, and when you're involved in them, you see people who are crying out for someone who's telling them the truth. This is why the work has to go on, because there's a tremendous amount of work to do, and we just wish we could do more. We just wish we could do them bigger. We wish we could fill stadiums with 60,000 people, but that's okay in God's time. This is a, a huge part of doing His work, and it, it will never end. We want all of our brethren to be involved with the Tomorrow's World presentations. They come to the local congregation. And, of course, the most important thing, and I know that most of you are doing that, is wholehearted prayer. Because God works great miracles. If this is just a bunch of us getting together, whether it's ministers, whether it's local brethren, to put these things on and God isn't involved, no fruit is going to come of it that is worth keeping. Jesus Christ said, without me you can do nothing. And so your prayers... Don't knock the importance of that. I would encourage all of our members to participate in these Tomorrow's World presentations when given the opportunity. Uh, these new people can be uh, very inspiring to us. We see the enthusiasm they have. We need these new people because they remind us of what it was like when we first came into the church. And we have the opportunity to serve in many different ways, sometimes with refreshments, but also, uh, more importantly, how we conduct ourselves with them. We can be friendly, but we need not be overly friendly. We don't want to smother people. We want to let them know that we appreciate them being there. We want to let them know that they're, we're thankful that they're there, but uh, not turn them off by scaring them off. I would say the most important thing is initially smile. Uh, smile is an international message that says, I want to be your friend. And uh, putting that smile forward uh, extending uh, in that way a right hand of fellowship and then just a friendly hi my name is and if they offer their name or, or you can even ask you know what's your name and then I think it's important to listen 
If we can show people that we're concerned, how are you? How did you find out about us? How is your life going to be concerned about people? Because we want to share this message with people that God has a plan. He has a purpose, that there's a purpose for human life, that there is a mission that we have to accomplish on this earth that you can be part of. And there's a really exciting future coming in the kingdom of God. This is the message that we want to share. As a, as a witness to the world. Be bold and go up to these people. Go up to these people that are visiting. Sometimes a member can be tempted to stand in the back and allow someone else to come and talk to them, but you're the person who needs to talk to them. One of the things that's so very important as well is the matter of a person's name. And you know the famous principle by Dale Carnegie that the most important and sweetest sound in any language is a person's name. So it's important to try to get their name, even say their name from time to time, and also, of course, respect that person as a human being. I would certainly encourage all of you to simply act like a Christian. Show that you love. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. And think about that, that each of us is to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Reach out to them. Show that we have genuine concern that we want them to achieve their human potential. We want them to be in God's kingdom forever and have that concern and kindness and enthusiasm, enthusiasm for the truth of God and the way of God and help them understand that the church is not just a bunch of people hollering about the end of the world. The church of God is an extended family and we love each other. We take care of each other. We pray for one another. We're all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Help them to realize they're coming into that and they're coming into a group of people that is focused on doing the work. And if we all work together as a team in promoting the telecast and promoting the internet and promoting the magazines and booklets and correspondence course and promoting these campaigns, then we can have a great impact on the world and additional thousands of people and actually millions will be witness to at least know there is a real God working out a purpose here below, they'll have that opportunity because of what we have done in giving of ourselves to do the work of God and get Christ's true message to the world today of the coming kingdom, the government of God. A true government has got to be set up. And this is our message, to give the message of that government, what that government stands for, and what it means. And if your heart is in that, then it's in what Christ is doing today. And you will be rewarded forever by having your part with zeal and faith and courage in the work of God today. The U.S. Congress passed a law saying that Marriage in the United States is between one man and one woman. Why in the world, well thanks to the U.S. Congress, but why would you need to even do that? Because we're so far away from the biblical truth and reality of God that you have to have Congress telling you, hey, this is what marriage is. This is a, a movement that's going all over the world and is being shoved down the throats of one country after another. And you wonder, who's behind it? Has God abandoned us? 
or have we abandoned God in all sense of sanity? Fathers are forgetting how to be fathers. Mothers are forgetting how to be mothers. Children forgetting how to be children. Leaders forgetting how to be leaders. And all of us forgetting how to love and know the God who loves and knows us. When you look for a preacher, when you look for a minister of Christ, look for someone who goes to the Scripture and who lets the Bible interpret the Bible. Not someone who walks around the stage and has a big auditorium and talks about God blessing you. You know how they... No, look for somebody who is going to Scripture. He supposed Friday, Good Friday, crucifixion, and a Sunday morning resurrection denies Jesus Christ as being the Messiah. And if some of you are following that false sign, you are denying the only sign Jesus gave as the Messiah. Prove to yourself that this book, the Bible, really is inspired of God. That it is the mind of God in print. The mind of God in print. It shows us the way God is, the way God thinks, the way God acts. And you'll have profound understanding of the purpose of your life, of how to live, of where you're going, and how to get there. There is a tremendous opportunity extended to those willing to stand up for the truth. To face their fears, to exercise courage, and it does take courage. There's not a lot of people out there preaching what we preach. God is not working through isolated individuals or through the many religions of the world. He's working through an organized, unified body of Christians whom he's called out of the world who are a part of that plan of salvation. And God is preparing those. And you can be a part of that. God is preparing those that he's called out of the world, readying them for service in his soon coming kingdom. Observing God's holy days is the pathway to hope. Hope for you and for me individually as God is offering to us salvation now, but also hope for the entire world. What a great plan that God has and how awesome it is. I love to be just open and honest with people. Uh, because, you see, I, I'm here to sell you on something, on the truth. And I hope that you recognize the truth when you watch the Tomorrow's World program or read our literature. But what I'm here to say is that if what we teach is right, if what we're saying is correct about Easter, about the holy days that Mr. West is going to talk about a little bit later, about which day is a Sabbath day, then these people over here can't be right because they're teaching something very different, a totally different gospel message. Good news, that's what gospel means, of a coming government on this earth. That's good news, my friends. That's the good news, that this mess is going to be cleaned up. Mankind can't do it, but the Creator can. Many of you have written from all over the world. Thank you, and may God guide all of you and inspire you. May God himself be with you, my friends. May God inspire you as you walk with God, as you walk with Christ, as you walk with him.